Good morning, Georgetown Christian. Hey, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Last week we discussed what happened in Acts chapter 2. The church had received the the Holy Spirit. There was the first Spirit-empowered sermon. There was a first uh, prompted uh, a whole mass of people to repentance and to baptism. And subsequent to that activity, then the church carried on through Acts 2 with another activity that we'll go into a little more detail on today. But what we're talking about is an ancient way. And I want to talk a little about why we have an this conversation about an ancient way when we live in a digital age. And it's because I believe that if we look at some people who have lived way before we lived, we can see some habits or practices like that of the early church uh, that they found reliable for maturing in Christ. And I believe we can recover and implement and begin to practice those ways in a way that is beneficial to our maturing as Christians, just like the early church started out as a group of people who were first-time believers and then began growing in maturity in Christ. The problem is we live in a digital age, and that means that you and I see somewhere along the realm of about 10,000 different messages through social media, television, advertising. We see somewhere around 10,000 different messages Per day, And many of those messages offer you and I an alternative script to the one that we're trying to live as Christ followers. So we examine an ancient way that's tested by time. We were created for community. We talked a little about this last week. We were, we were each created by a God who is inherently community. Doug said it last week, and I said it, and as we say it, imagine, let us make man in our image, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God made us in his image. We were created to be in a community. God intended for each of us to be born into a family, a small community, a mother and a father, maybe some other kids. And then that community was intended to be a member of this community, a church. And then the purpose of this community, we're created for a purpose. We're, the church is brought forth for the purpose of proclaiming God's glory, Jesus' victory over darkness, sin, Satan, and death. We're created to share that news with the world, the largest community. We get to share that we have a cosmic eternal king. And the result of his victory is that he has established his kingdom and it is now coming. As a result, we get to be a family. As a result, we're restored in relationship to God. As a result, we get to live eternally in community with him. The problem is, community at large was broken. Eve was tricked when she was in the garden. And imagine back to Genesis when she was in the garden. Was she in community when she was tricked? Or was she alone? Eve was alone. Imagine Adam when he was tricked. Was he in community with God? He was just with Eve. And they were both tricked. They were deceived. 
and the resulting consequence is that they were excommunicated. You hear the word community in there. Community was shattered. It was separated and destroyed. God's intended purpose for community was broken by sin. And we're now invited to be part of a community that's restoring that relationship by Jesus' victory amongst ourselves to one another and to the world at large through Jesus. So we're talking about an ancient way in a digital age, and we want to examine the issue, which is our culture is under attack, and community, our specific Christian culture is under attack, it's under attack by the larger culture. And, and what, one of the things that's being attacked is community, and it's being attacked in a stealth way. It appears as though it's harmless, and it begins as an invitation to autonomy. Uh, the attack is it's very discreet. It begins just as a simple invitation to autonomy. Uh, maybe you've heard this advertising slogan. It's by Burger King, and Burger King says that you can have it your way. And maybe you've been into a Wendy's or a Dairy Queen or two places I've seen it, and maybe what you have seen like me is that 165 flavor uh, Coca-Cola freestyle machine where it, no matter how bad you want the 165th flavor, you can hammer that screen and nothing happens. And by the grace of God, why can't we have Mountain Dew in that? Diet Mountain Dew. That is the one that needs to be in there. And it's 165 flavors of other things you can't even get out because they're always broken. We have the privilege in our culture of arguing over which chicken sandwich is the best. Now, can you identify? I want you to cheer if I point to the one that's from Popeye's. Are you ready? Okay, okay. You guys have passed. Now, next, the next question. You guys are very good at this. First service didn't get this. Which sandwich, if you could go today, which sandwich would you get? Chick-fil-A? Okay. Which sandwich would you get if you could go today? Popeye's? Okay, I want to tell you why Popeye's is the right answer. Are you guys ready? What, what was it, what? It's Sunday, thank you. Very good, second service. You guys need to write a note to first service that says we won. Score second service one, first service zero. And somebody needs to keep score this long term. Okay, we have the privilege of arguing over chicken sandwiches because our culture gives us the invitation to autonomy, which is like the side door, the sneak around, the back door attack on community. Maybe you guys have uh, heard some music lyrics like these recently. We have 50 genres of music, some of which are worth listening to. Maybe you've heard a song that goes like this. See if you can finish the lyrics by Miley Cyrus. I can buy myself First service, zero. Second service, two. Uh, okay, the next one, Frank Sinatra, I did it. Okay, that's actually first service, one. Second service, three. So you guys got that. Uh, now, some people's musical uh, tastes differ from ours, but the point is having all of these options is an invitation to autonomy, and it's a sneak attack on community if we're not aware of what happens. Imagine our driving options 
you probably have to get to school or to work or to your family's house just like I do. And in getting there, you're probably going to not take a horse. You're probably going to take a car. And the cultural script is you need to buy a car that expresses who you are. And then you need to rent some rims that really express who you are. And then you need to load it with a stereo so the world can hear the music that you think is the best kind of music. And that's an invitation by our culture to establish your own autonomy, which is not a sin, until autonomy becomes the chief idol or God or influence in our lives, and it supersedes community. When autonomy crushes community, we go back to living in that broken, excommunicated, separated from God way of living. The HOV lane costs $10 million per mile per lane. That's not just the HOV, that's, that's every lane. And because we wanna have the car that expresses our individuality, we keep building more lanes, which keeps costing us more tax dollars. And I would vote for lower taxes, please. Yes, everyone would love that. But our autonomy kind of supersedes everything else that's going on in life. And we all want to drive our own car to work so that everybody can see our individuality. They can see how we choose to express ourselves by a car. Autonomy is the enemy Georgetown, I want you to say that with me. Autonomy is the enemy. And if you don't believe me, have you ever been sick alone? Have you ever been sick alone? You have no family, you have no friends. My very first year of undergrad, I was not, I was not a person who had a ton of friends yet. It was the first year, it was the first semester, it was the first quarter. I had the guys like in my quad and that was it. And I was really sick. And it was a struggle to get to the doctor. I'm not even sure I wanted to go to get the prescription because I was so sick, I just wanted to sleep. It's really difficult to be sick alone. How many of you have ever been driving in your car that expresses everything that's so very precious about you or me? How many of you have then broken down, maybe your battery died and it wouldn't start, or you had a flat tire and then maybe you didn't have a jack or a spare, maybe you had a jack and a spare, but you had no idea which one did what. And when you're alone, you realize the autonomy is the enemy. Our culture hands us a script that if we follow it, will lead to continued and further separation from God. When God is inherently community, when you and I were created for community, our culture hands us a script. The digital age hands us a script that says, try this out. And it's an invitation to autonomy. It's an attack on community that comes stealthily because autonomy is the enemy. Remember our, our first gathering of believers. This is Acts chapter 2 if you want to turn there. We're in Acts chapter 2 verse 42 which I think is a, a great theme verse for that whole chapter of Acts chapter 2. First sermon, mass baptisms, outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and the birth of the church. And right after they do that, they begin this pattern. I want you to say it with me, Georgetown. If you would stand up, we're going to say this together. Would you stand? We'll have it on the screen. 
for the reading of God's word. Thank you for standing, Georgetown. Let's, let's read Acts 2.42 together. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the... Yes! Okay, you guys can have a seat. That's the ancient way. And the specific piece of the ancient way that we're focused on today is community. And we talked just a little about it last week. But today we're going to talk about three ways that we share God's grace. Three ways that we live in fellowship with one another. Because remember, fellowship is sharing God's grace with one another. And sharing the gifts of the Holy Spirit with one another. Today we're looking at fellowship, the sharing of God's grace together in three, uh, th three separate ways, but I want to review all. Uh, can we review all four real quick before we move on to these three? These are the four that we just said out loud. We said the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. And we said this is the teaching of God's word. And we said that this is the sharing of God's grace and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we said that this is understood historically by the church as number one, communion, and number two, eating, which we're doing today. You've ever come to the picnic. And number, uh, number three, number four, prayer. So we're just talking about fellowship and three ways that we can love one another in fellowship. Number one, sharing God's grace by encouraging one another. Sharing God's grace by encouraging one another. I want to read to you Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. But encourage one another daily, so long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So how do we encourage one another? We encourage one another daily so that you may not be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. If I asked you to raise your hands, I don't want you guys to brag. If I asked you to raise your hands, could you say, I haven't murdered anybody? And I know some of you want to raise your hands. You're very proud. I'm proud too. I also have not. Uh, we could all say we have not murdered anybody. And Jesus goes on to say, you may not even hate someone in your heart. But I wonder if by sin's deceitfulness, maybe you've moved a little bit off of the path of maturity. I'd like to share with you uh, uh, how sin's deceitfulness worked its way into my heart. And then I want you to not just poke fun at me for how ignorant it was, but I want you then to reflect and say, I wonder if by sin's deceitfulness, by the backdoor attack, Sin has maybe got a hold of me in my own life. So the way that sin's deceitfulness happened to me was, again, the, the back door. It was not, yay, I haven't murdered anybody. It happened like this. Um, I, I really don't want anyone to use paper towels in my house. I don't want anyone to touch. In fact, it would be best if we didn't have paper towels, probably. If it were my house and I made all the rules, and everyone would like it, we would probably not have paper towels. And, and that is because, here's sin's deceitfulness. That is because there are people who might rent their rims, they might install a massive stereo in their car, and they might get six or $700 car payments to express their individuality. I was going to not be one of those people. But I wasn't going to be a, a faithful person who gives and saves and spends wisely in a 
in a way that's faithful to God. In fact, I was over here. I was in a different side of this whole money conversation where I was worried about whether there would be enough. And it was absurd because I didn't even realize that I was changing the Walmart plastic bags out of the trash can 16 times a day until, guess what? We had a life group. And in the life group, I dried my hands with a paper towel because my wife was looking at me with lasers. And I emptied the Walmart trash bags 16 times during life group because I'm going to save one fifteen hundredth of a penny. And you know what? My life group called me out on it. Not to say you should not cherish the earth and join God in the recreation and caring of the earth. Not to say that. But to say that I lived over here in this other way where I didn't believe that God could provide for me for what I needed. And so if my kids touched a paper towel, I'd have a convulsion. And if we talked about getting like actual trash bags, I had a conniption fit. Because I thought that I was going to save every little penny we ever had and thereby provide for myself. But when you live in community, your community can point out to you how sin may have hardened your heart. And maybe your community is really close to you, like mine was to me, and they could just say, you're absurd. That was really easy to say about paper towels and trash bags. Are you having fun emptying the trash 16 times while we're here in an hour? In fact, I'm not. We'll talk more about that in a moment. Fellowship is sharing God's grace, and that is by encouraging one another. Number two, we, we share God's grace. We enjoy the fellowship of community by admonishing one another. This is 1 Corinthians 4, 14. I do not write these things to make you ashamed. Paul's writing to a Corinthian church who by all accounts should be pretty ashamed. Lots of craziness going on in their church. But Paul does not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. You don't have to raise your hands, but how many of your parents, when you made a no-no or did something wrong, let's say in your brother or sister's room, you took their toy from them, you were beating them over the head with it or whatever, and then later, this could have been a day later or a week later, your parents bring up that private situation publicly. And maybe they make fun of you or they just remind you of how ignorant it was or whatever it is. How many of you think of that when I say the word admonishment? Or maybe for you, it's your boss. Maybe it's a boss like Elon Musk. His, uh, his biography came out this week. And if I could tell you of all the media coverage I've seen from uh, Mr. Musk here, uh, the titles of most of the articles and the podcasts are uh, Elon Musk Demon Mode. And then listening through the book some this week, um, that's a really big theme. There, of course, is a theme of like, you know, rockets and cars and satellites and those sorts of things. But it's remarkable how frequently Elon Musk will go into a mode with some of his employees and he'll publicly berate and ridicule them. Uh, you could probably say that SpaceX and Tesla are not winning best workplace awards. Not a lot of people want to hang around and work with this guy. And I think that that's what we think of when we hear the word admonishment. You just got talked down in front of everybody. What is the purpose of admonishment? Colossians 1.28 says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom 
that we may present everyone mature in Christ. So what does biblical admonishment look like? I think it looks like this. Don't join a group. Don't join an elective. Don't join a study. Don't say you're a Christian. If you want to become a believer and then for years remain a believer who needs to be fed milk. I believe that's biblical admonishment. Do you remember when we talked about the writer to the Hebrews? He said, by now you should be what? By now you should be uh, teachers is the answer. I want you guys to say it with me. By now you should be teachers, but instead you're a little baby and we're going to give you milk in a bottle still giving you milk. This is Stanley. Stanley is, uh, he's 31. Uh, and Stanley, uh, he prefers to live his life like a baby. Is this absurd? Does anyone think this is absurd? This is complete. He's wearing a onesie playing with blocks. And he's 31 and has to shave. But he wants to sleep in a crib and he wants to have a bottle. He wants to wear diapers. How many of you have potty trained a child before? That is not a fun job. And when it's not going well, it really stinks. <laughs> it's so miserable. But we all have to do it. We choose to do it. And even though it stinks, we commit to and we follow through with actually doing it because adults wearing diapers is absurd. Now, they sell adult diapers, but they're for people who are uh, maybe going into the hospital, or maybe they're in the hospital, or maybe they've recently left the hospital, but we would agree something's wrong. If someone's having to buy and use an adult diaper, something has gone wrong health-wise, because you shouldn't have to wear a diaper as an adult, although health turns south, sometimes we have to. You would agree this is not normal. This is absurd. But you know what's tricky? What's really tricky is that people in the body of the church, they can, they can jump in the baptistry and they can jump out and they can act offended if they're ever admonished. And I mean biblically. Like, hey, you've, uh, you've been a believer for a while and I noticed that you're not in a study. I've noticed that you don't attend an elective. I've noticed that you've never been in a group. I've noticed that God gives you gifts and you hoard them. Translation, you've literally never served. That is an adult in an adult baby diaper. That is a bearded baby bottle holder. And at judgment, there's going to be a whole different place for those people who say, Lord, Lord, and he says, I didn't know you because you chose to never mature. Instead of admonishment, you chose adult diapers. That's biblical admonishment. And whenever we're in community, then the fellowship of the believers, they'll admonish one another in love. I hope that what I said this morning doesn't sound angry or hateful, but comes off as loving because I I believe that that's what God's word says. Fellowship is sharing God's grace with one another by admonishment. 
Number three, our final one, confess your sins one to another. So this is actually how I found out, besides my friends making fun of me, uh, when I was changing the Walmart bag trash 16 times. And Walmart bags are great for trash. Maybe not the kitchen trash. This is how I found out that I was living in sin because I chose to live a life of worry, thinking that my worry and that my absurdity about paper towels was going to somehow provide for my family better than God could provide for my family. Did it appear really painful when I confessed that to you? Did it appear like I was going to have a nervous breakdown and maybe not ever be able to face you again? That's not because I'm special strong. That's not because I'm a preacher and that makes me somehow different. It's because I was sitting at lunch with a friend and he told me how he had started chasing after some of the riches of the world. And as I'm listening, I'm thinking, man, I don't, you see what I drive? I'm, I'm not chasing, right? Or like the same three shirts. I'm not, I'm not chasing it. But do you know what I realized as I asked God? I said, something's not sitting right. And maybe it was pride that was just so proud of how I wasn't doing that. And he said, you think that all that you have comes from you. And that by worrying, you can add a day to your life or a dollar to your bank account. And I knew that he was right. But I didn't realize that until I had a brother confess his sin to me because God was working in his heart. And when I got, I allowed God to work in my heart, well, now I can come before you and I can say, hey, God's working on this in my heart. I don't embrace this way of life anymore and say, don't touch the paper towels. Oh my gosh, it's going to cost us 14 cents. And I, and I don't have a convulsion over Walmart bags always being used in every trash can across the entire house. While those are great for the earth and a good way to save a little bit of money, when you believe that this is the way that God has confided for you, something's wrong in your heart. That was true for me. So I had to go back to that brother and confess, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't having this issue of chasing, like, I don't know, more sea dews and boats in my life. But I did have this other issue where I was kind of proud. And I also thought that I was going to add a dollar to my bank account by flipping out over paper towels. I will still lay a paper towel on the counter to dry, and my wife still won't like it. But it's not embarrassing because Jesus is maturing me. He's helping me not become a bearded baby, baby bottle holder, but he's helping me become a little bit more mature to the point that I'm comfortable saying, I struggle with this. And we see, see me driving like a cheap car. You could ask me, like, you still struggling with that? And maybe I am. And maybe I'm not. But I'm letting God work on me. I'm not letting it stay over here and pretend that diapers are okay for 31-year-olds who just feel better in a onesie. Because at judgment, friends, that's not going to look good. Fellowship is sharing God's grace with one another by confessing our sins to one another. Number one was fellowship, is sharing God's grace with one another by encouraging one another. Number two, fellowship is sharing God's grace with one another by admonishing one another. And number three is sharing God's grace with one another by confessing our sins one to another. I would ask you in closing today, will you 
place community above autonomy in your priorities, in your life, in your journey with Jesus? Will you place community over autonomy, over individuality, over your desire to have life my way? Will you value community as Georgetown Christian will and as God does value community over autonomy? Would you bow your heads? Our praise team's gonna come out. I wanna ask a couple of questions. Are you prepared to take the next step that God wants you to take in maturity? As you talk with the Lord this morning, ask him, Father, what is my next step? Father, I pray right now that you are speaking to the hearts of your people and your church. We believe that as we've repented and been baptized, we're now indwelled with God, the Holy Spirit, that you speak to our hearts. You speak to our spirit in a way we don't understand. So, Father, I I come in the name of Jesus, praying against the enemy, that you would delete his presence from this place. Father, that you would speak clearly to the hearts of your people, that you would make so crystal clear the next step in maturity, walking away from baby bottles, walking towards a cup of milk, walking towards hot dog bites. Father, I'm not sure what that looks like in every person's life, but as we've looked at the ancient way that your church first instituted, and we've seen that the apostles' teaching and fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayers were foundational to the growth and maturing of Christians, Father, I'm asking that you would be convicting this morning those who you call to be your church. Father, and I would ask that you would be melting hearts that have been hardened by sin's deceitfulness just the same way you melted mine. Father, I ask that you would melt my heart where I'm worried about money, wherever I have placed something above you. We show each of us how sin has found a way around and into our hearts, and it has begun to harden it. And then by your Holy Spirit, convict us. By your community, this fellowship, would you sharpen us, one with another, through encouragement, through admonition, and through confession. Father, there is a a time that we have set apart every Sunday, but there's a special time today that from the outside can look like just more hot dogs and hamburgers and carbs that we positively cannot fit in the sides of the belts that we currently wear. And Father, I'm praying that this time that we have set aside would be a time when relationships are built because we choose to answer some simple questions on a card and thereby develop relationships with a community that maybe we don't currently have a relationship with. 
But whatever the next step is for each person here this morning, be it an elective or a life group or a study, I pray that each of us would take that next step. That we would commit to maturing for your glory and for our good. Father, help us be wise to the invitation to autonomy. Help us live committed to your community. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.